Chapter 13 Donna, you sound weird. Mara was gripping the receiver so tightly her hand began to hurt. Yeah, I know. Donna's voice sounded hoarse and far away. She spoke slowly, as if just waking up from a long sleep. I guess it's the painkillers they gave me. Are you in a lot of pain? There was a long silence. No, not anymore. I just need a minute, Myra. A nurse just came in to give me some more medicine. Myra paced back and forth across the kitchen floor. Thank God she's alive, she thought. She's going to be okay. I'm back, Donna said, her voice just a whisper now. I'm okay, I think, Myra. My mom said you have a broken leg. Yeah, and a broken wrist. And some bruised ribs. For some reason, Myra pictured Mrs. Cotier with her cleaver, chopping, chopping away at the pig's knuckles. Your mom's been really great, Donna said. I kind of freaked when I saw the tube in my arm, but she was cool. She explained everything. I'm lucky, I guess. Lucky? Myra's hands were sweaty. She tucked the phone under her chin and continued to pace. Well, that nut was trying to kill me. I'm sure of it. For a moment, Myra couldn't say anything. That nut? What was Donna talking about? The painkillers the nurses were giving her must be making her a little strange, Myra thought. Donna, what did you just say? I said he tried to run me off the highway. I mean, he did run me off the highway. Who? I don't know. I only saw his truck. It was raining so hard, and he had his sun visor down in front of the windshield, so I couldn't see his face. Truck? Someone in a truck tried to run you down. Yeah. He came up from behind and started bumping me. I was scared out of my mind. I sped up, tried to get away, but he started bumping me harder and harder. It was so slippery because of the rain. I was on the highway, and there was no place to turn off. Donna seemed to drift away. Donna, are you still there? Are you okay? Then he just plowed into me from the side. He must have been going really fast. And, of course, the truck was bigger. So much bigger than the little Toyota. I, I guess I lost control. And you crashed? There was a barrier by the side of the highway. A concrete barrier. I crashed into it. I hit hard and bounced a few times. Glass was shattering. It seemed to be like shattering all around me. I don't think I'll ever forget that sound. It was like the whole world was cracking, falling into bits. I'm so tired, Myra. My eyelids feel like weights. Myra had a horrible thought. Donna, what color was the truck? It was a pickup truck. Yes, but what color was it? Huh? Think hard. You must remember. It was, uh, red? A red pickup truck. I've got to sleep now, Myra. Her voice was just a whisper. These pills? Bye, Donna. I'll come visit you. She waited for a reply, but Donna must have drifted off to sleep. Link's pickup truck was red, she thought. And Link was so furious at me when I rejected him, so furious he couldn't speak. She replaced the phone receiver and realized she was shivering. Her whole body was shivering, not cold shivers. Shivers that started in her brain and worked their way down. Shivers of the mind, shivers of fright. It couldn't have been Link, she thought, wrapping her arms around herself, trying to stop the shuddering. It couldn't have been Link. But whoever it was, he wasn't trying to get Donna. Donna was driving my car. He was trying to get me. Walker hung up the phone quickly as Myra entered his room. Oh, hi. I wasn't expecting you. He looked more than a little flustered. The two spots in his cheeks were bright scarlet. He was wearing white tennis shorts and a white sleeveless t-shirt. 
Talking to your girlfriend, Myra teased. Ha ha, very funny. She kissed him on the cheek. Hi, stranger. What are you doing here? He asked. Myra had imagined a warmer greeting. I wanted to talk to you. I have a lot to tell you about. He walked past her to the window. The sun had just gone down behind the trees, but the air was still hot and sticky. He stared out into the gray. Your mom said it was okay to come up, Myra said, suddenly feeling like an intruder. That's okay, Walker said without turning around. Well, aren't you glad to see me, she asked. Why did she have to plead with him to be friendly? Was it just his shyness? Of course I am. He walked over and put his arms on her shoulders. I want to show you a new trick. Come on, Walker. No tricks tonight. I want to talk to you. I really need to talk. He looked disappointed. Well, okay. Come on downstairs. We'll sit in the den. You can tell me everything. That's more like it, Myra thought. She followed him downstairs to the den. They sat close together on a leather couch and talked without interruption for nearly two hours. She told him about Donna and the red pickup truck. She told him about Cal, the man who had been following her, and asking about her. And she told him her theory that Mrs. Katia had cast a spell on her to make her sleepwalk. You're going to laugh at me. I know it, she said before launching into her theory. But Walker hadn't laughed. His face grew serious as she talked, and he began to nod in agreement. You may be right, he said when she had finished. You don't think I'm going wacky? No. Witches aren't only in storybooks, Walker said seriously. They were sitting side by side, pressing against each other, despite the heat of the room. He had his long legs crossed, and one arm draped behind her on the back of the couch. She wanted to kiss him, but he was so tall, his face was out of reach. Besides, she decided not to distract him now. She wanted to hear what he had to say. I've read a lot about witches and their covens, he said. There are more witches today than there were in historical times. They keep pretty quiet about it, but they're here. And it's possible for a witch to cast a sleepwalking spell on someone, she asked, leaning against him. There are all kinds of spells, he said thoughtfully. My question is, why? What's the reason someone might want to do that to you? Well, I'm not really sure, but Mrs. Kate was in the hospital a while back, and my mother was her nurse, and somehow Mrs. Katia got the crazy idea that my mother was trying to kill her. She complained to the hospital and made a big fuss. And you think that she hired me to cast a spell on me to pay back my mother. Weird, he said, shaking his head. Oh, I forgot to tell you, Mrs. Katia is going away for a couple of days. Perfect, Walker cried, jumping up from the couch. Huh? What do you mean? I still have to go over there and feed her cat. I can't spend all day playing with you. Even more perfect, he said. That gives us a couple of days to investigate. We'll go over there together tomorrow, and we'll search her house. We'll find out if she's a witch. And if she is, we'll look for clues. Myra squeezed Walker's hand. Great! You'll come with me? Really? Of course, he said. I don't like to see you like this, so nervous all the time, so tired. We have to find out who is doing this to you. We just have to. Thank you, she said gratefully, and thank you for believing me. She rushed into his arms, and they kissed long and passionately, until his mother walked in and asked if they'd like a snack. Why, Hazel? You never acted so glad to see me. The cat rubbed against Myra's ankles, meowing loudly. I'll bet you're hungry. Is that it? Myra turned back to Walker, holding open the screen door for him. Come on inside. Don't let the cat out. Walker stepped in quickly, staring down at the cat. A black cat. Well, that proves the old lady is a witch. Hey, I thought you were going to be serious about this, Myra scolded. I'm serious, Walker said, stepping past her into Mrs. Katia's living room. The room was nearly as dark as night. The heavy curtains were drawn, keeping out the bright morning sunlight. He walked over and pulled open the curtains. The sunlight poured over the cluttered room. Wow, look at all this junk. 
Mrs. Cartier is a real collector, Margaret said, bending down to pet the cat. Look around while I feed Hazel. She started to the kitchen, but the cat didn't follow. Instead, she stared suspiciously at Walker. Come on, Hazel. Don't you want to eat? Don't pay any attention to Walker. He won't hurt anything. He's just looking around. The cat meowed loudly as if warning Walker, and then reluctantly followed Myra into the kitchen. She began hungrily lapping up the cat food as soon as Myra lowered her dish to the floor, and Myra hurried to rejoin Walker in the living room. The house felt even stranger without Mrs. Cartier in it. The ceiling creaked as if someone were walking around upstairs. The air seemed thick and musty. The house smelled of mildew and decay, odor she had never noticed when the old woman was home. As she and Walker looked at the shelves of strange carvings, stuffed animals, and ancient pressed flowers, Myra had a feeling that someone was watching them. She turned around several times, expecting to see Mrs. Cartier behind her. Of course, no one was there. Chill out, she told herself, but the strange feeling wouldn't go away. What's in there? Walker asked, pointing to a doorway. Is that a den? No, it's her library. Let's take a look. She followed him into the dark panel library, with its floor-to-ceiling bookshelves on all four walls. An old mahogany desk and dark leather desk chair were the only pieces of furniture in the room. Myra had only been in this room once or twice, to pick up a book to read to Mrs. Cartier. She never had the opportunity to explore it. Wow, some of these books look really old, Walker said, looking up and down the shelves. They began examining the titles. One wall contained shelf after shelf of classic novels, a set of Shakespeare, collections of Greek plays. I wonder if she's read all of these, Walker said. Hey, you've gotten really quiet. What's the matter? I don't know. This is creepy, Myra said. She turned and saw the cat standing in the doorway, staring at her with glowing yellow-green eyes. She forced herself to turn back to the books. Look at this, Walker, he hurried over to her. What have you found? These books. Look at the titles. They're all on witchcraft. She read some of the titles aloud. Then she pulled out a book that looked really old. The heavy cover was torn and faded. She opened it up. The yellowed pages crumpled in her hand. Look at this one. She held it up to him. The book was titled The True Way of Worship. There is a detailed engraving of a smiling devil on the first page. How old is that book? Walker asked. There's no date, Myra said, but it looks really old. Look, it's filled with some strange spells and recipes. She replaced the book on the shelf. This entire wall is all books about the occult, Walker said. The cat meowed suddenly, startling Myra. Be quiet, Hazel, she called back to her. We're only looking. Turning to investigate a lower shelf, a title caught her eye. Psychology of Sleepwalking. She got down on her knees so she could examine the shelf more thoroughly. The Sleepwalker. Sleepwalker casebook. She lied to me, Myra said aloud. What? What are you doing down there? Walker had a huge, leather-bound book the size of a dictionary in his arms. These are all books about sleepwalking. He slammed the huge book shut. Really? After I sleepwalked for the first time, I asked Mrs. Cartier if she knew anything about sleepwalking, and all she said was, it's very mysterious. And she has a whole shelf on sleepwalking. She deliberately didn't want me to know that she knew anything about sleepwalking. Walker helped her to her feet. I'm beginning to think your theory is right, he said, not letting go of her hand. Mrs. Cartier must be a witch. And look at that sleepwalking book, the yellow one, Sleepwalker's Diary. Look how it's sticking out. You mean it looks like it was recently used, Myra said. Yes, it does. Myra pulled it out and set it on the table. Maybe I'll borrow this one and read it later. Maybe I'll borrow a few of these. Walker put his arm around her and pulled her into a warm hug. I'm so glad you're here, she said. If I had come here by myself and found all this stuff, I would have freaked. It's a weird book collection, Walker said. Definitely weird. Come on upstairs, Myra said, pulling him by the hands. I want to show you the black candles. Maybe there's more stuff up there. They were nearly to the door, 
when Myra noticed the two photographs on the desk in the center of the room. Oh, no, she cried, pointing to the photos. Walker, look, I don't believe it. Chapter 14 The cat meowed angrily and leapt up onto the desktop. Myra ignored her and picked up the photos, which were in a double frame. She held them up so Walker could see. It's Stephanie and Link, Walker said, looking as astonished as Myra. Those are their school photos from last year. What are they doing here at Mrs. Cate's desk? Myra asked, staring hard at the photos as if they could give her an answer. The cat flicked a paw at Myra, just missing her arm. Hazel, what's wrong with you? Myra asked. You don't want me to pick up these pictures? You want a little attention for yourself, is that it? The cat stared up at her blankly. Myra replaced the photos on the desk. Maybe there are some answers to this mystery inside, she said. She pulled open the center desk drawer. It was filled with photos and papers and notebooks and cards. Walker, look at this. She had found another photo of Stephanie in the drawer. This one had to be at least two or three years old. She continued shuffling through the drawer's contents. If you find a picture of me in there, don't tell me, Walker said. He was making a joke, but his voice was tinged with fear. Myra pulled out a stack of photos and began going through them. I wonder if I'll find a photo of Big Neck in here, she said. You mean that guy who followed you? Yeah, Cal. He's tied up in this somehow. He's probably Mrs. Cartier's son. Myra pulled out a birthday card and opened it up. Well, well, what? Listen to this. It says, Happy Birthday, Aunt Lucy. Love, Stephanie. Aunt Lucy? Mrs. Cartier is Stephanie's aunt, Myra cried. And Link's aunt. Of course, it was Stephanie who told me about this job. Funny, she never mentioned that Mrs. Katia was her aunt. Yeah, funny, Walker agreed. Myra began tossing photos and papers back into the desk drawer. And now, maybe Stephanie and her aunt are working together. Maybe they're both casting their disgusting spells on me, making me sleepwalk, making me think I'm totally losing it. Calm down, calm down, Walker said. My beads! Myra suddenly remembered the beads. I'm going to get my beads back. That's the first thing I'm going to do. Then, I'm going to get my scarf back from Stephanie. Your scarf? Yeah. Then I'm going to quit this job and stay as far away from Mrs. Cartier and her precious niece and nephew as I can. She slammed the drawer shut and, nearly tripping over the cat, hurried out of the library. Myra, where are you going? Walker sounded quite bewildered. I told you, upstairs to get my beads. She ran up the stairs, Hazel right behind her, protesting loudly. Hazel, look out. I don't want to trip over you down the long hall, and into the bedroom with his two low dressers side by side. There was a little jewelry box on the edge of the dresser, right where Myra had seen it last. She hurried up to it and reached inside for her beads. Oh no! The box was empty. The beads were gone. Whoa, slow down, Donna said. I don't think any of this would make sense, even if I wasn't on painkillers. Seeing Donna had been a bit of a shock at first for Myra. She hadn't meant to gasp so loudly when she had walked in the door, but to see her friend in casts, completely immobilized, with those tubes stuck in her arms, was too hard to take. At least Donna sounded a little more like herself, and she had regained enough of her sense of humor to complain about the hospital food and complain about one of the nurses, who had accidentally sat on Donna's arm while trying to give her some pills. Even though the two girls had never had any trouble in the past, Myra soon found making conversation really awkward. She sat uncomfortably in the folding chair beside Donna's bed and tried to think of things to tell her about the outside world. Finally, she couldn't hold it in any longer. She told Donna about going to Mrs. Cartier's house with Walker the day before and how she had proved that the old woman was a witch and that Stephanie, her niece, was probably a witch too. 
I've heard of jumping to conclusions, Donna said sarcastically, but this is ridiculous. What do you mean? I mean, what exactly have you proved, Myra? You've proved that Stephanie and Link are related to Mrs. Cartier. Well, Stephanie probably told you that when she told you about the job, and you just weren't listening or something. And what else have you proved? That Mrs. Cartier is very interested in witchcraft and stuff like that. But it all fits together, Myra insisted, impatient with Donna's skepticism. I didn't start sleepwalking until I started working for Mrs. Cartier, until I left my beads at her house. Oh, Donna moaned. What's the matter? You really think I'm being stupid? No, I have an itch on my neck and I can't scratch it. Myra laughed. She leaned over the bed and scratched Donna's neck for her. Now aren't you glad I stopped by? She asked. Listen, I know you're real upset about the sleepwalking and everything, Donna said, getting back to the subject. But don't go off the deep end. This is a 20th century, remember? People don't go around casting spells on other people. Walker says that they do. Walker says that there are more covens now than in the 1600s. Donna groaned again. Another itch? No, I'm just really sleepy. I'm sorry. It's the pills, I guess. I have to go to sleep now. I just can't stay awake. We'll talk later, okay? I have plenty of time to think about it all. I'm sure the two of us can figure out what's going on, she yawned. Thanks for coming, Myra. I'll come again soon, Myra said, getting up. You get some sleep, too, Donna called after her. I wish I could, Myra muttered, and suddenly, feeling really depressed, she walked out of the room and down the harshly lit hospital corridor. She was halfway home, sitting on the crowded afternoon Division Street bus, her forehead pressed against the window. When she got the idea to go to Stephanie's house and confront her, she looked at her watch. It was nearly five o'clock. Stephanie would be home from her summer job by now, and Link probably wouldn't be home from his job yet. The perfect time. She pulled the cord, waited for the bus to stop, and then got off. It was only a few blocks of Stephanie's house. The sun was pumpkin orange, low in the sky. The evening air was cool and dry. Myra took a deep breath. What shall I say to her? I'll just tell her, point blank, that I know what's going on. Of course, she'll deny it. She'll deny everything. But then I'll tell her what I saw at Mrs. Cartier's house. I'll tell her I know that the old witch is her aunt. And I'll tell her that I know why she took my white scarf. And then what? And then she'll have to stop. She and the old woman will have to stop what they're doing to me. One block to go. A yapping dog came running down a long, flat lawn toward her. It yipped in surprise when it reached the end of its chain and flipped over onto its back. Myra had to laugh. Dogs are so stupid, she thought. Hazel flashed into her mind. That cat, on the other hand, seemed much too smart. Hazel certainly didn't like Myra and Walker snooping about the house. The cat seemed positively relieved when the two of them had left. What a weird animal. Now Myra stood on Stephanie's front porch. The front door was open. She peered through the screen door. I can't wait for Stephanie to pull her Miss Innocent act on me, she thought. For once, I know too much for her to get away with it. Anybody home? She called into the house. No reply. Stephanie, are you home? Still silence. Myra pulled open the screen door and stepped into the front entranceway. She looked around the living room. It was strange being back in this house. Everything was so familiar. Not a thing had changed in it, and yet it seemed to Myra as if she hadn't been there in ages. Stephanie? She called upstairs. Looking up to the top landing, she could see that Stephanie's door was closed. Maybe she's up in her room and she can't hear me, she thought. Climbing the thickly carpeted stairs, Myra realized that her heart was pounding. This wasn't going to be pleasant. Maybe she should turn around and forget about it. She really hated confrontations of any sort. No, she had to go through with it. She couldn't take any more nights of being afraid to go to sleep, 
afraid that she would have that awful dream and wake up somewhere far from her house. She knocked on Stephanie's bedroom door. No reply. But she could hear some sort of music inside. Stephanie, are you in there? She pushed open the door and peered in. The room was dark, except for the light of three flickering candles. There in the darkness was Stephanie, her back to Myra, down on the floor beside the candles. She was sitting cross-legged in front of a white circle, and she was chanting the same three or four words over and over again in a near-tuneless melody. There were several small items inside the circle, but in a dim, flickering light, Myra couldn't make out what they were. One thing, however, she could make out very clearly. Stephanie had Myra's white scarf tied around her head. Chapter 15 Stephanie suddenly stopped chanting and turned around. Myra, what are you doing here? Never mind that. What are you doing? Myra asked, stepping into the room. Stephanie jumped to her feet. Just practicing? Who let you in? Is my mom home? I let myself in, Myra said. You can let yourself out, Stephanie snapped. Her green eyes flared in a candlelight, much like Hazel's eyes. Not until you tell me why you're doing this, Myra said, standing her ground. Doing this? What do you mean? Myra pointed to the circle. Standing closer, she could see that there were bones inside it. Chicken bones, probably, arranged in triangles. You know, I've always been interested in the occult, Stephanie said. She flicked on a dresser lamp. So I'm just fooling around. What's the big deal? Why are you casting a spell on me? The words just fell out of Myra's mouth. She hadn't really planned to ask that question. Now that she had, she felt suddenly embarrassed. Stephanie laughed. Cut me some slack, Myra. Are you losing it altogether? You are casting a spell on me, Myra insisted. You're wearing my scarf. Huh? Stephanie reached up and pulled off the white scarf, releasing her black hair, which tumbled down her shoulders. Here! She pushed it into Myra's hands. Take it! You were using it for your spell, Myra repeated, starting to feel doubtful. I was using it to hold up my hair, Stephanie said, sneering. I washed my hair when I got home from work. I wanted to keep it off my shoulders. Take your stupid scarf! But, Stephanie, I know everything, Myra said, trying to keep her voice normal suddenly feeling as if she wanted to run, run from this house and never see Stephanie or her brother again. I know that Mrs. Cartier is your aunt. Boy, is that a hot flash, Stephanie scoffed, dropping down onto the edge of her bed. Of course you know Mrs. Cartier is my aunt. I told you she was when I told you about the job. No, you didn't, Myra said. She thought hard. Was Stephanie telling the truth? Had she told Myra? Myra couldn't remember. I'm sure you didn't, she said. I never should have started this, Myra thought. I felt so certain about everything when I came up here and found Stephanie chanting on the floor. But now, no, I am right. I have to be right. I'm not making all this up. I am sleepwalking because someone is casting a spell on me. If it isn't Stephanie, it's her aunt. Stephanie's lying, Myra decided. Do you think other people are out to get you too? Stephanie asked, crossing her arms tightly over her chest. Why are you being so mean to me? Myra blurted out. I thought we were friends. I'm not being mean to you. I'm angry because you burst into my room and started making crazy accusations. You're the one who's being mean. You're the one who accused me of casting a spell on you, of all the crazy things. I'm not crazy, Myra exclaimed. Do you know someone named Cal? Who? Cal. I don't know his last name. A big blonde guy with a huge neck. Stephanie laughed. No, I don't know him. Why should I know him? Your aunt knows him. Your aunt sent him after me. Myra, I really don't know what you're talking about. You haven't made any sense at all since you barged in here. Are you feeling okay? You look so tired and awful. You know I haven't been sleeping well, Myra cried, feeling herself start to lose control and unable to do anything about it. You know I've been sleepwalking, and you know why. Sleepwalking? I knew she'd play innocent, Myra thought. Maybe you're sleepwalking because you have a guilty conscience for dumping Link. 
Stephanie, come off it. Come off it? You're the one who started it, Myra. You know what I thought when I first saw you standing here? What? I thought you had come to make up with Link, since Walker dropped you. Myra suddenly felt called all over, as if her blood had frozen in her veins. What was Stephanie saying? Myra didn't think she had heard right. Since Walker dropped you. What could Stephanie mean? Maybe I am cracking up, Myra thought. Walker? Dropped me? Huh? Everyone knows he's going with Suki Thomas now. Have I stepped into the Twilight Zone? Myra thought. Now you're just being vicious, Myra said softly, starting to back out of the room. I am not, Stephanie insisted. Don't tell me you didn't know. There's nothing to know. I was with Walker this morning. You're just making this up to hurt me. I saw Walker and Suki having pizza at the mall, Stephanie said. Well, so did I. Big deal. That doesn't mean Walker has dropped me. Myra clutched the white scarf tightly in her hand, so tightly it hurt. That's just so babyish of you, Myra said, her voice trembling. Stephanie didn't say anything, just shrugged and rolled her eyes. Goodbye, Stephanie. Sorry I barged in on your spell casting, Myra turned quickly and headed out the door, feeling a little dizzy. I'm sorry too, Stephanie called after her. Then, suddenly, as Myra reached the stairs, Stephanie was right behind her. She put a hand on Myra's shoulder. I really am sorry, she said softly, with no trace of anger. Sorry about everything. Myra flung herself down the stairs, pushed open the screen door, and ran outside, gasping for air. The sun was nearly down, but the air was still hot and humid. She stood in the middle of the gravel drive, breathing hard, waiting to feel a little better. What did Stephanie mean when she said she was sorry about everything, Myra wondered. Sorry about being so mean? Sorry about casting a sleepwalking spell? Sorry about making up that horrible lie about Walker? She didn't have long to think about it. She looked up to see Link's red pickup truck pulling in the driveway. Hey, Myra, hi. Ah, uh, no, Myra muttered. Link was about the last person she wanted to see at that moment. He pulled the truck to a stop a few feet in front of her and jumped out, a wide grin on his handsome face. This is a surprise. I was, uh, talking to Stephanie. His grin faded. Really? The truck. She suddenly remembered the truck. Donna, the madman who crashed into her. Link, she started. Two days ago, did you... She looked down to examine the truck's bumper. It was smooth and undented. She examined both front fenders. They were flawless, like new. It wasn't Link, she thought. How could I have ever thought it was Link? Maybe Stephanie is right. Maybe I am cracking up. I'm suspecting everyone I know of being out to get me. But then she thought about Donna lying in the hospital bed with all the tubes in her arm, and of Cal, who glared at her with such menace, and of sleepwalking into the woods. I'm not crazy, she said without realizing she was speaking aloud. Link stared at her in surprise.